In recent years, the speed of the Brazilian news cycle has been intense, but not much can compare with the current moment. In the coming days and weeks, news editors will have to deal with the resolution of the 2021 budget, which should have been approved four months ago, the climate summit organized by U.S. President Joe Biden, and the start of the Senate's newly created hearings committee to investigate the government's pandemic response. And as a side dish, we have a Supreme Court trial that could cement former President Lula's place in the 2022 election, as well as a change of command in Brazil's army. Uncertainty is the rule in Brasilia, but one thing seems clear. The Bolsonaro administration won't be the same after all these battlefronts are cleared. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Since Operation Car Wash was launched back in 2014, Brazilian political news has been a roller coaster of emotions. That perception seemed to hit new highs in 2016, when then-President Dilma Rousseff was removed from office and grew further once Jair Bolsonaro took office as president. When it comes to Bolsonaro and the repercussions of his antics, the press can sometimes be accused of blowing things out of proportion. But it is hard to underestimate the importance of this moment for the future of the Bolsonaro administration. To go through it all, I'm once again joined by Ewan Marshall, editor at the Brazilian Report. Ewan, hello. Hi, Gustavo. So what do we have for this week that makes it so pivotal for the president and the continuance of his administration? So, yeah, it's, it's a packed one. Um, a few weeks ago, we covered Jair Bolsonaro's acrimonious firing of all the heads of the three armed forces in Brazil and the ensuing military crisis. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it happened months ago, but it was at the end of March. Yeah, it really does. Um, and the change in the army command was only made official this week. And in his last event at the head of the army, outgoing commander Edson Pujol, he tried to affirm the army's loyalty to the constitution, which was considered as being a bit of a, a, bit of a dig at Jair Bolsonaro, who has hinted that he and, quote, his army could perhaps go for a kind of power grab. And the outgoing chiefs tried to draw a line in the sand in terms of political interference in the barracks. But as we covered back in episode 145, the politicization of the military is a highly complex subject in Brazil. So what else do we have for this week? Well, there's also the Supreme Court trial that could disqualify the decisions of former Operation Car Wash judge Sergio Moro in the corruption trial against former President Lula, who is, of course, Bolsonaro's political nemesis. Now, the court has already quashed his convictions and sent his cases back to square one, but if Moro is considered to have been biased, all of his decisions made in the case would be null and void. So what that means is that investigators would have to gather evidence against Lola from scratch, meaning that some, if not all, of the accusations against Lola would reach the statute of limitations before he is able to be convicted again. Which, of course, would mean that he would most certainly be on the presidential ballot next year facing Bolsonaro. Right, you know, unless there is some sort of cataclysm between now and then. And early polls actually show Lola has a lead of up to 18 points in a simulated runoff against President Bolsonaro. Which, of course, puts a lot of pressure on the president. So there's 
also the U.S. hosted climate summit, which means international pressure is also on Bolsonaro. Yeah, so Bolsonaro is wanting to convince President Biden and the rest of the world that he has changed his stance on the environment and that he now supports anti-deforestation measures. Which is a tough sell considering his history two and a half years into office and the fact that we just had the worst month of March in terms of Amazon deforestation. Yeah, and since he has taken office, Bolsonaro has continuously acted to undermine the powers of environmental agencies. But now he's asking the US to give Brazil $1 billion to help fight deforestation. And he also committed Brazil to ending illegal deforestation by 2030 and making the country carbon neutral by 2060, with the possibility of bringing this target forward by 10 years. But at the same time, his environment minister, Ricardo Salles, he was accused last week by the federal police of, quote, directly sponsoring the private and illegitimate interests of loggers under investigation. And what are other actors saying about this? Well, a group of 15 senators issued a letter asking Biden not to pledge any money until Bolsonaro shows some real action. And Brazilian environmentalists are essentially telling the American president not to trust Bolsonaro. Do not let this man negotiate the future of the Amazon. Um, he's going to have a hard time greenwashing his image abroad. By any measure, that alone would be a really hectic week for the president. But that's not nearly all of it, is it? Yeah, and, you know, these two issues are the least of Bolsonaro's problems. Uh, he's also got to deal with the creation of the COVID hearings committee and the massively overdue approval of the 2021 federal budget. Two issues that are very much intertwined. Yeah, so starting with the budget then. Okay, let's go. We are almost four months into the year and Brazil does not yet have a budget for 2021. Um, Congress approved the proposal on March 25 and President Bolsonaro now has until Thursday to either ratify the proposal or veto it. Now, this budget proposal is a bit of a farce. Economists have called it a work of fiction and simply approving it would risk a government shutdown because keeping the administration operational would take much more money than is being proposed in the budget. So how much is much more money? Uh, according to some estimates, at least 31 billion reais, which is about 5.5 billion US dollars. So how did we get to this unworkable budget for 2021? Bearing in mind, we are already at the end of April and this should have been approved by December 31st, 2020, by the latest. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of blame to spread around here, um, both to the government and to Congress. Now, with this proposal in particular, lawmakers used outdated estimates, which essentially destroys this, the public spending principles of transparency and predictability. And all of that happened under the auspices of the government. Now, for Congress, their major sin was giving themselves too many budgetary grants, which are chunks of the budget that they are allowed to control. And that's a move to kind of boost lawmakers' electoral stock ahead of the 2022 elections, when most of them will be fighting for re-election or you know, other executive positions. And why are those budgetary grants so important for Congress? Well, there are legitimate provisions in the Constitution. The idea is to stop the executive branch from having full control over the federal budget. 
And basically what happens is politicians obtain these grants and allocate parts of the budget to projects of their own interest, which are typically infrastructure or healthcare ventures in their own constituencies. Which is like money with the rubber stamp of a, a particular lawmaker. Yeah, exactly. So when election day comes, the voters in that constituency will remember the congressman who built the bridge or the hospital in their local community. And while these grants are just, you know, the epitome of port barreling, they are important means to get money more quickly to certain projects, especially in less developed areas. But of course, the problem is about oversight into how these funds are actually spent, because that leaves a lot to be desired looking at the massive amounts of scandal we have seen in past decades. Yeah, that's right. And another problem is that inevitably these grants become something of a bargaining chip for the government when they're trying to get legislation passed. So the government elected under the banner of austerity did not put its foot down. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, the government can't make demands of Congress due to the fragile political balance it has with the other branches of power. Also, the government's main liaison on this matter, who is House Speaker Artur Lira, He's in a position which doesn't allow him to compromise. During his campaign for the Speaker job, he promised his peers that grants would go up and he would have entire sections of the House turning on him if he was to backpedal. So, you know, we shouldn't expect him to do so. So what can the government do at this point? Yeah, so at this point, the government has three options, all with their own disadvantages. And number one, the president can veto parts of the budget, which looks to be the top strategy at the moment. The pickle here is what Bolsonaro can veto without infuriating lawmakers. Now, reports say there's an agreement in place to decouple emergency pandemic expenses on healthcare and programs to aid companies from the federal spending cap rules. So would that put the issue to rest? In part, yeah. Um, it should get Congress off of Bolsonaro's back somewhat, but it will infuriate Economy Minister Paulo Guedes. Right, because if pandemic spending is no longer tied to the public spending cap, it's like a blank check for lawmakers to spend as much as they would please. Exactly. And what is option number two? So option number two is that the president could veto the budget entirely. And that would mean Congress would have to rewrite it from scratch. Now, there's zero chance of that happening because it would be seen as something of a declaration of war on lawmakers. So the downside is clear and we don't even have to dwell on that option. Right. So what is behind door number three? Bolsonaro could approve the budget as is, this, quote, unworkable piece of fiction. And he would then have to hope that Congress would pass a constitutional amendment recreating the so-called war budget which was a parallel financial plan for coronavirus spending that was in place last year, meaning that anything put into the coronavirus fight would not be factored into calculations for the government's primary results. So, making everyone happy? Well, sort of. Um, it would make Bolsonaro a hostage of Congress, as that extra amendment would be the only way to avoid obliterating fiscal rules and exposing himself to impeachment. But even if that happens, it would send a terrible image to markets about Brazil's commitment to fiscal responsibility. And, you know, that could cause currency devaluation, could curb Brazilians' purchasing power even further. A true catch-22. Indeed, yeah. Uh, especially because the government has very little leverage at the moment, considering that it is battling a hearings committee, which could become highly explosive. And we'll talk about that more after the break. We'll be right back. 
In this moment filled with uncertainty, information is golden. And we at the Brazilian Report have launched a special report with everything you should know about the year's first quarter in Brazil and the past for the near future. And we have a special discount for listeners of Explaining Brazil. Just go to brazilian.report slash store and use the promo code EXPLAINING20. That's two zero in numbers for a 20% discount. You can also use the EXPLAINING20 promo code for a 20% discount on new subscriptions on our website. This promotion ends on April the 30th. So we're back with you on Marshall, editor at the Brazilian Report. Ewan, tell me about the tortuous ways members of the opposition managed to create the COVID hearings committee. Well, earlier this year, uh, one opposition senator started to gather sponsors for a hearings committee to investigate the government's pandemic response. And early in February, he managed to get 27 signatures, which is the minimum required to file a request. And the government stated that, quote, the federal government has systematically violated Brazilians' basic rights of access to life and health care. So that would be because of the government's lack of urgency in securing vaccine deals or addressing the oxygen crisis in Manaus earlier this year or, you know, President Bolsonaro's overall COVID scepticism. But if the request was filed in the first week of February, why did it take nearly three full months for the committee to be created? Well, the way this works is the Senate president is the only one who's able to present the request to the floor and allow works to begin. And the rules don't stipulate any sort of deadline, meaning that the Senate president can simply sit on a given request for as long as he wants. And on more than one occasion, the current Senate president, Rodrigo Pacheco, he said that now was not the time to go after the government amid the most severe health crisis in Brazil's history. But at the same time, he also said that Congress would eventually have to investigate the Bolsonaro administration's pandemic management. Essentially, he showed the government that he has a powerful weapon at his disposal, but he was keeping it holstered. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And what changed his mind? Well, the Supreme Court stepped in. Um, they ordered Pacheco to present the request to the floor, effectively kicking off these hearings committee. And one of the justices, who was later backed by the overwhelming majority of his peers, he said that hearings committees are the democratic right of the congressional minority to exercise checks and balances over a sitting administration. President Jair Bolsonaro, of course, did not appreciate the move. He even called it dirty political games by a court that is out to get him. Pelo que me parece... Yeah, and, you know, his administration's had a number of spats with the court, so you can kind of understand why the president and his supporters might feel that way. But the Supreme Court has previous in this regard. In the past, it has forced the Senate to begin investigations when the Senate president of the time has been trying to use his power to muffle the minority. And on those occasions, when Bolsonaro was a backbencher in the House, he applauded the justice's decision. So what has happened with the COVID hearing so far? Well, not too much, um, but there have been some important movements. Uh, the 11 full members and their seven understudies have been chosen, and the majority of them are senators who are either opposed to the government or declare themselves independent. But the Bolsonaro government did score an important win, uh, managing to change the scope of the probe and include investigations into state and municipal governments, And that should help divert some of the focus away from the president. 
But does Congress even have jurisdiction over states and city? Isn't it uh, something for state congresses to uh, investigate? Yeah, it is. But uh, lawmakers found a loophole saying that they are going to investigate how these local governments used federal funds earmarked for the pandemic response. So, you know, it's an interesting strategy because if everyone is under the microscope, then, you know, there's little incentive for them to really dig deep. So the most important two positions in these hearings committees are the chairman and the rapporteur. The chairman is responsible for scheduling sittings and giving members the right to speak. And for instance, if these meetings take place on Zoom and they will in some sort of way happen, like at least in a mixed uh, between in-person members and members on Zoom, then the chairman can simply mute the senator's mics if he so wishes. Yeah, and the other key position you mentioned is the rapporteur who drafts the committee's final report. And these dossiers are then typically sent to federal prosecutors recommending investigations and indictments, that sort of thing. So the chairman and the rapporteur will be chosen on the last week of April, but we already know who they will be, right? Yeah, so the nominations aren't official yet, but there is a kind of de facto agreement among parties as to who is going to be the chairman, who's going to be the rapporteur. Um, the chair will go to Senator Omar Aziz of Amazonas. Now, he's not exactly hostile towards President Bolsonaro, but he has openly criticised the government's pandemic response. Now, the rapporteur will be Henan Calheiros, who I like to call the Highlander of Brazilian politics. He's, you know, he's been in the game since the mid-90s. He's survived multiple corruption scandals and attempts to kick him into touch. But he still stands and he yields a lot of influence behind the scenes. And how is Henan Calheiros vis-a-vis the government? Well, he's been much more vocal in his criticism of the president over several months. Um, also, the interesting thing here is that his son is the governor of his home state of Alagoas. That means that he will technically be involved in the probe as well. So, you know, Henan will surely do his part to kind of keep the committee focused on the federal government, you know, and away from his son. And one thing that is interesting is that uh, two years ago, President Jair Bolsonaro bent over backwards to prevent Henan Calheiros from becoming the Senate president. Is that grudge still on? I mean, how, what can we tell about how Hernan is going to approach the government? Well, yeah, again, he's not only the Highlander of Brazilian politics, but he's also a bit like an elephant. He never forgets. Um, so I'm <laughs> sure that he's, I'm sure that he's got that on his mind somewhere. And he's, you know, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a political sphinx, uh, you could say. He's sided with hard right groups in the past, centre left groups, always kind of changing his stripes according to the circumstances. So, you know, at this point, it's, you know, it's unclear how hard, if at all, he will go down in the government. Now, a lot of people, especially, of course, those who are against Jair Bolsonaro, talk about how these hearings committees could spell doom for him as president. Is that the likeliest scenario at this point? Well, over the years, these hearings committees have become kind of political theatre more than anything else. Um, and as we get closer to the 2022 election, you'll have more and more lawmakers will be kind of playing to the gallery, kind of boosting their own image, instead of actually digging into wrongdoings. Recent committees have done very little in terms of the actual investigations, and that's because most governments are able to successfully sabotage them. Uh, actually, word in Brasilia is that 15 current and former high-ranking officials could be summoned before this committee, essentially to be publicly scolded. Um, so it's essentially set up to be a PR crisis for the government, seeing key members getting a dressing down live on television 
Whether it leads to impeachment or criminal charges, that's not yet clear. And to your point, we have published on April the 20th on the Brazilian report, a report showing that uh, lawmakers will tackle the first pandemic health minister of Brazil, Luiz Henrique Mandetta, because he too has electoral aspirations. So there's a lot of electoral calculations to that mix. So we can say that uh, the Jair Bolsonaro administration has failed on that pursuit of sabotaging the committee to some degree at least, but that doesn't mean the game could not be turned around. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, it's politics and it's Brazil. So, you know, anything can still happen. Ewan, thank you very much. We will continue with our coverage. Thanks, Gustavo. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.